Are y'all excited? Oh, come on. Are y'all excited? This is time of celebration, and we're going to start off. Come on up, my dear. My name is Allie, and I am proud to say that Jesus is my Lord. This is Allie Varnell. This is my youngest daughter. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to thank God for his faithfulness this morning. My name is Josiah Mullins, and um, so glad to say that Jesus is Lord of my life. Hallelujah. I'm Colton Weirich, and I'm about to get baptized.
I'm Madison Burkett, and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. <laughs> My name is Kylie Wilson, and I'm proud to say Jesus is my Lord. Lila Wilson, and I'm proud to say Jesus is my Lord and Savior.
Corey Creech, and the Lord is good. Amen. That's us. exciting to watch people get baptized makes you want to do it again now I know why the little kids are always like getting baptized all the time because like you get caught up you get caught up and get excited that's the way we need to be at tithes and offerings too which is what we're fixing to take up <laughs> we need to get caught up we need to get caught up in the excitement of giving into the kingdom of God giving so that lives can be changed just like these lives this morning giving so that we can have an impact around the world just like buying the van for the Dominican boys basketball ministry these are things that we can purpose in our hearts to do but then God comes and anoints them and then he he lights that fire so that we have a passion to give and a passion to do for those that he loves and as we do that, then we come to love them with that same everlasting love. It's awesome the way that God will work in our hearts and change our minds and reveal things to us about people and places that we never considered before. So I do want to remind you this morning to uh, keep the van for the Dominican boys in mind. We're just over $10,000. Our goal is fifteen. We're trying to reach that. We'd like, we'll send it to them before, but we'd like to have it by July when we go uh, down there to be able to give it to them to purchase a van. But if we can get it to them sooner, praise God. Praise God. So I'm just going to pray over our offering, and we're going to take it up if the ushers will stand. Father, I give you praise and glory. I thank you, Lord, for the provision that you have given to this house and to the family of this house, Lord, that we have abundance, that everything that we do or touches is blessed and prospers and grows and multiplies according to your kingdom, according to your principles and your word, that we don't have to work to do anything, that we just have to rest in you and just take what you have given and sow it into this world, Father God, to for the, your kingdom to grow and bloom out of it. I thank you, Lord, for every person here this morning. I pray their ears are open and their eyes are open to hear your word as it flows forth, Lord, for hearts to be changed and, and lives to be changed, Lord, for revelation and wisdom to come forth by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, Lake Church. Can we give a shout of praise unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to the 70 Psalm. Psalm 73. Hallelujah. Psalm 73. Now, we've been ministering on the goodness of the Lord. Amen? And it's good to be reminded of the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. And His mercy endures how long? 
just on Sundays, just on Wednesdays, forever. Amen? The Lord mercy endures forever. Amen? Hallelujah. And so we shared with you the last time that I was with you that the goodness of God is the highest level of quality in all creation. That you can't get any more superior than the goodness of God. Now the world tries to convince you that there is excellent or better or best, but that is not true in the kingdom of God. In fact, that is a psychological operation of the enemy to get you to think that there's something better than the goodness of God. There's absolutely nothing better than the goodness of God. Amen. And when we study goodness in the context of the Scripture, we begin to find out that goodness means wholeness. Goodness means um, completeness. Goodness means righteousness. Goodness means um, uh, holiness. Goodness means, uh, you know, total sanctification, total, you know, a restoration, completeness. Amen. And we can say that the Lord is good. Amen. But we've got to renew our mind to his goodness because we live in a bad world where bad things happen on a continuous basis. I know that we see the Grand Canyon and we're moved to tears, and I know that we see a beautiful sunset and we're moved in our spirit about how beautiful it is, but really when it all comes down to it, those are just mere shadows of what God has created and, and for us. Amen? It says, I have not seen neither ear heard the things that the Lord has prepared, but he's revealed to, to us through his spirit. Amen? And we can, we can uh, understand and quantify and receive the goodness of God because we've been born again. We've been made alive unto God. Amen? And so what I'm going to talk to you about is a very serious situation that is going on in the body of Christ. And I think that you'll be uh, challenged by what we're going to be talking about because we must believe God is good. Yes. Amen? Now, the, your situation and circumstances may tell you otherwise and may try to fool you and convince you that that is not the case and that he is not good. In fact, the number one uh, attack of the devil is against the character of God. Hath God said, oh, he knows that if you partake of this, you'll be like him and he don't want that. So he's keeping something from you. So the enemy constantly comes against the character of God and his word because he knows that it is through the word of God and through faith that you overcome his world system. Amen. And he doesn't want you overcoming his world system. He wants you to be knee deep. I mean, uh, drowning in the system that he has created so that he can control and manipulate your life. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that we believe that God is good because the word of God tells us so. Amen. And let's go to Psalm 73. And I'm just going to take this kind of verse by verse today because I believe it just needs some explanation. And I hope to encourage your hearts today. Those that are going through trials and tribulations, those who have lost loved ones recently, even over the past two years, uh, those that have lost jobs and finances and things that were dear to them, those that uh, have had transitions in their life and they're wondering where is God in this situation, I, I want to encourage you 
this morning. And I believe that you're going to walk out empowered and emboldened by the word of the Lord. Amen? So I'm going to read the first verse here, and then we're going to, um, you know, endeavor to move through this psalm here, because this is important. He says, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So he says, surely, God is good to Israel. So we could take that in, in our day and say that God is good to his people. <clears throat> says, truly... Now, notice he uses that word, truly, God is good to his people. Truly, God is good to his people. If your theology is not fastened to hold of the truth that God is good, your theology is going to be manipulated. If you are not convinced of the goodness of God and that he is ultimately and absolutely good, then you're going to be convinced that he is in some underhanded or shadow in your life and that he is doing works that are not in line with his goodness. And many people will say this, even people that preach from pulpits like this will say, well, God put that on you to teach you a lesson. God doesn't have sickness to give. Sickness is a part of the curse. Poverty is a part of the curse. He doesn't have that stuff to give. There's not, hey, there's no poverty and sickness in heaven. So where in the world would he get it? That's the truth. Do you understand that? I'm, I'm sick and tired of pastors and preachers Talking bad stuff about my daddy. My dad, my physical dad, he's a man that's flawed just like I am. But boy, you don't dare talk about him in a negative light. Amen? He's not perfect, but our God is perfect. And we've got people saying, well, God took my baby. God needed a flower in heaven, so he took my beloved loved one. Hello. Come on now. You have got to believe that God is absolutely good because he says this, truly God is good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart towards him. Now verse 2, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. So what is he talking about slipping? You know, like over here, we could slip over here pretty good. I might have someone come over here and demonstrate it to us, but you get, you can slip. Amen. What's he talking about slipping from? He's talking about slipping from truly God is good. And one of the greatest temptations you're going to have in your life is to slip and fall from the truth that God is good. The enemy is going to try to do everything in his power to try to get you to believe that that is not true, that he is behind. So Listen, if God is against you, you don't have an answer. If God is not for you, you don't have a solution. But the Bible tells us through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing shall separate us from his goodness. Amen. 
Well, people will continue to contend. Well, God did this, and God's doing this, and he's making this happen, and he's doing this, and blah, 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 blah. And they're all attributing the works of the devil to our good father. And it's not true. The, Jesus came to delineate between God and the devil. Did you know that? He is the express image of the father. And he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. See, so that tells me that God's not into stealing and killing and destroying. So if it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the devil. Very easy. But you've got to get a hold of this. People trip on this all the time. People are stuck in life because they don't believe that God, hello, is truly good. They're not truly convinced. But notice that this psalmist, Asaph, had, had a problem. He said, man, God's truly good. I know it. But he said, I was slipping. I was falling. I was getting away from that revelation. My life circumstances and what I was looking at was telling me something different, and I was falling for it. And you might be in a season where you're falling for it. You're falling for the propaganda of the enemy. You're falling for the word of the wicked one that's telling you that God is somehow in this horrible, horrible situation. No, God is the solution to the problem. God is the answer to your problem. Amen? Hallelujah. And, you know, it's what's so amazing about it is we think we are better than God. We actually believe we're better than God. We actually believe we love our children more than God loves our children. We actually believe that God cares, doesn't care for the lost like we care for the lost. Hello? We actually put ourselves in a position of being above God at times. But I'm here to tell you, know, it's just like, um, you know, I remember this analogy where I was heard about this situation in which this person was talking to this father about his daughter. And he says, listen, if your daughter was terminally ill and she only had weeks to live, what would you do? He said, I would do absolutely everything in my power, anything that I possibly could do to keep that from happening. Stand that we're limited side. Amen. He'd raise any kind of money that needed to be raised. He would do any kind of thing that he needed to do, fly her all over the world, whatever he needed to do. He would do everything in his power. But I'm here to tell you that man's love and man's goodness can only go so far. But the goodness of God came down himself and took your infirmity and took your sickness and took your poverty and took your curse and became a curse for you so that you might have life and life more abundantly. Amen? That's God's desire. He takes it to the ultimate step. He's the one that was at, could actually do it. We can't. I can't trade places with my boys. There's many times in, in their life that I would love to trade places with them, help them through something. But you know what? I can't do it. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus came and took our place. He became flesh. He became a man so that we might have life 
and life more abundantly. Amen? Are you with me? So he's starting to slip. He's slipping because he's in circumstances and seeing circumstances that are telling him God is not truly good. And God is not truly good to those who have a right heart towards him. And that's really where the, the crux of it is, is that here I am serving the Lord. Here I am doing what I know that I need to do, and I'm faced with the situation, and I see all these other people. They're not going through what I'm going through. They're not having the struggles that I'm going through. Come on now. Hello. And people get confused. Amen. I'm here to tell you God is ultimately good. God is absolutely good. Even when he chastises us, even when he corrects us, he loves us and cares for us and is good. You know, you've had people in your life that are speaking in your life and you kind of question, what's their motive? What, 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 what's driving them? Can I really trust them and their counsel? But I'm here to tell you every time, 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100, 365 days a year, seven days a week, God is absolutely good in his counsel and his instruction and in his correction of your life. His motive is that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. His desire is that you have life and life more abundantly. Doesn't mean you're not going to have tests and trials. Doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. But God desires and works his good pleasure in your life. And you've got to be convinced. If you're not convinced, I mean, my goodness, how can you believe God for anything? How can you, if God is not absolutely good, how can you have faith? How can you reach out to a, a God when you're not convinced that he is truly good? Amen? So it's important for us to get a hold of this revelation. And I know it's ABC and I know it's Sesame Street, but God is good. The Bible says it over and over and over and over again. And it is a qualitative term. Amen? But he's slipping. Why is he slipping? Next verse. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's what's happening to the church right now. That's the number one reason why people are not experiencing the joy of their salvation is they got their eyes on the wrong stuff. Hello. You got your eyes on the problems. You got the eyes on the mountain. You're not speaking to the mountain. The devil has beat you down and beat you up to where you're not even believing God in a situation anymore. You've just totally abandoned it. You've just totally just said, you know, no more break glass in case of emergency. You're not even getting near the glass. You're not even getting near it. You've been beat down so much. It's over. It's done. Can't do it. Why is that? Because your eyes are on something other than the goodness of God. How are you going to get through a trial if you don't keep your eyes on the goodness of God? If he is your steadfast 
handhold, your anchor of the soul in the turbulent sea of your life, then how are you going to make it? What are you going to rely on that's any better than him? What are you going to hold on that's any stronger than he is? Absolutely nothing. You don't have anything. But he is struggling. Why? Because his eyes are off the goodness of God. And his eyes have gotten on sinners, people that don't live for God, but yet they're prospering. Yet it looks like they're ruling and reigning in life, and I'm not. I'm struggling here. I can't even make it out the door some days. And they don't have a care in their life, and I've got all this heaped upon. Come on now. I'm speaking the truth. Amen? I've got all this problem. Oh, my goodness. Every time, ever since I served the Lord, it just seems, you know, we get that kind of choir voice, you know, when we, you know, that little quiver. It just seems like every time I serve the Lord, the devil just puts a bullseye on me and he comes to hurt me and to bring some kind of problem. Hello. Right now, there are people boating. Right now. There are people grilling hamburgers. Right now. There are people helping up a Bud Light. Right now. While you're here. Hello. Hello. Somebody's smoking a big fatty. Right now. And you're here. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. How pitiful. Hello. Oh, my goodness. And then you see, well, let's, let's read on because you're, you're going to see real quickly that this, this, this scripture gives us what's going on in our world right now. Notice it says in verse number four. For they have no pangs until death. They don't have any pain until they die. This is his perception. This isn't truth. This isn't truth. This is truly stated, but it's not truth. He's speaking out of his pain. He's speaking out of his confusion. But it's not true. All people have pain. All people have trouble. It's just our perception is that we only see someone's highlight reel while we're looking at our blooper reel. Man, we're looking at our blooper reel, and then we, we're, we're kind of comparing it to everybody's highlight reel. And that, you know, when you get comparative and competitive, I mean, you've lost. You're going to lose yourself. Well, they handle it better than I do. They've got this, and they've got that. Listen, you, you, you got God. Many people don't. Amen? Okay. It says, for they have no pains until death. Their bodies are, far, are fat and sleek. Now, that, that's, listen, in today's age, when you start talking about fat, people have a problem. But what, what he's talking about is they're healthy. Here I am serving the Lord, and I've got to go do this. I've got to take this, and I've got to do this. And they're, they're out there, and they're healthy, and, you know, they look good, and everybody compliments, you know, they put up an Instagram of their six-pack abs and things of that nature. 
and you see them and it looks as if everything is going their way. They're sleek. They're attractive. Hello? We live in a world where the surface is really what's presented. No one really knows what's deep within anybody anymore. And here this man of God, this worshiper in the tabernacle is struggling. And I'm telling you, there's some worshipers here this morning that are struggling with the same thing. Why has their marriage got, got everything right and mine's about to crumble? They don't even go to church. They don't even serve the Lord, but yet they're happier than I am. Why is his business prosperous? He doesn't even give tithes unto the Lord. He doesn't even give to the Lord. Why is mine struggling? Hello? Why is his body healthy? Why do I have to pump myself full of insulin every day? It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. Why do they have happiness? And I'm never happy. Well, listen, listen. They're not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. They, they do bad things. You see them out there doing bad things. In fact, I'm, I'm describing in the next few verses, I'll tell you who I'm describing right here. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. I just described the Biden administration to you. But what's so bad about it is that administration represents the people. And the people are exactly like this. You see all the influencers on Instagram and stuff? They strut with their words. They have no fear of God. And they make sure you know it. I'm going to do what I want to do. This is my life. I'm going to do exactly the way I feel. And what I feel is right. And you know what? That attitude's in the church, too. Hello. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I don't need to pray. I don't need to ask the Lord. I don't need the counsel of others. I'm going to do what I want because what I want is best. And we wonder why God's not moving. Hello? I get sick and tired of hearing people say, Pastor, why is there not revival in the church? Really? Really? I mean, that's, that's a hard question for you? That's a difficult question for you? It's because of our arrogance and our pride. It's because of our lack of unity, our lack of submission to the Lord. Come on now. 
I mean, my goodness, you can't get people to even come to church on a regular basis. And you're telling me you're reading your Bible and praying every day and you can't make it to church? Come and sit in a chair and breathe air? Come on. Hello? And we're wondering why. Don't look at me like that. It's the truth. There's a reason why revival. God's on all the time. God, God's not sitting there waiting. Oh, I think it's time for a revival. No, revival starts in the church. It's when we set ourselves apart and we begin to fast. We begin to reach out to the Lord and pine after the Lord. That's when stuff starts happening. Amen. The, the, the rain clouds are always full. Yes. We've got to be the gravity to bring the rain down. That's good. Amen. Amen. I'm speaking the truth in love. Notice this. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And that's really what we're seeing is we're seeing uh, where high-level elitists whether they're in acting or whether they're in um, music or whether they can do the most horrible things. I mean, get caught in human trafficking. I mean, get caught in some of the things that would sell us down the river. I mean, you, if, if, if I was accused of those things, you wouldn't see me no more. Yeah. <laughs> but yet they're making speeches and... And people will still go and see them. People will go and listen to them. Hello. You know how you stop an entertainer? You don't buy their stuff. It's real simple. It's real simple. You just don't download their stuff anymore. But yet, this is what he says. He says, they strut. Through the, through the earth with their tongue. He said, they set their mouth against the heavens. Right. Hello. They curse God. There's no fear of God, but yet people turn to them and just receive from them and just take them in. Oh, well, he, he, he just had a bad season. No, that ain't true. Some of these people, they've been having a bad, bad life. Hello, and I'm not talking about judging and being mean and anything. I'm just saying you got to watch who you follow. But these people, they, they, they're followed even after, you know, talking about the Lord and coming against and doing things that are contrary to the Word of God. They continue to turn to them. And this is why this person is slipping, so to speak, in the good of God because he doesn't see goodness and people are not following goodness. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. Oh, I'm telling you, people get bent out of shape. When they're serving the Lord and they're not seeing breakthrough when they want to see it. When they're not seeing supposedly God move when they want to move. He's not opening the doors. I need him to open. Well, is God good in those times? 
God's good all the time. Right? We established that. So that means even what you're going through right now, as painful as it may be, God is still good. Your problem does not negate God's goodness. Your circumstance does not negate God's goodness. God's face is toward his people. His hand is open towards his people. He has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has opened up the riches of heaven towards you and has saved you from hell. God's goodness is steadfast and true and always on 24-7. Now, you may not be experiencing God's goodness, but I'm here to tell you, my friend, it's not that God's goodness is not here. He is absolutely here, 100%. It's that your eyes... Let's turn over to some scripture here. Back it up. Let's go to Matthew. Now, I've taught you this before, but we always need reminders, don't we? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And let's look at verse number 19. He says, do not. Okay? Now, that's a command. Would you say that do not's a command? When someone tells you don't do this, is that a command? He didn't say, I suggest. I think it would be wise. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, so we can use the do here, Do lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust and and thief can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So Jesus is telling us that we can choose where our treasure is. And it makes all the difference in our life as to where our treasure is. Amen? Now, notice he goes on and says, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. Now, people will tell you, well, the the eyes are the windows to the soul. That is not what he said. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, a lamp highlights things. A lamp, if you're in the dark, if the power was cut off here and we got a flashlight, it would beam that ray to where you could see in the dark. But you wouldn't be able to see everything. You'd only be able to see as big as the light circumference is. So he's saying that your eye is the lamp of the body. So he's saying what you look at, what your lamp is focused on, notice what it said. It says, so if your eye or your lamp is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What is he telling us? He's saying what you focus on in regards to the stuff of this world. There are people right now in this place right now by the Spirit of the Lord. You've got your lamp 
on where you think you need to be financially right now. You've got your lamp on what material things you want to have, and you feel like you are being robbed by serving God because you can't get what your lamp is showing. And the Lord wants to warn you that that's a trap of the enemy that has got you off track and you're not serving God passionately anymore and it's going to go into ruin if you continue down that pathway. Because that stuff you got your lamp on cannot suffice you. It cannot sustain you. It cannot make you whole. I'd rather serve the Lord and have nothing than have my focus on everything and not have the Lord. Come on. I'm telling you, there, there are people distracted. They're just like Asaph, the writer of this Psalm 73. They're just like him. They said, man, I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Can't seem to get sickness out of my house. I'm slipping. Where's God when it comes to my bills every week? I'm slipping. The goodness of God is consistently the question in our life. Where's God? God isn't here. Where were you when I needed you? I expect to hear some crickets in a moment. Where are you at? No, God's always there. God's always there, and his goodness is always there. But when your focus is, mm, when your focus is on the wrong stuff, you can't see him very well. Hello? Are you focusing on the problem? Or are you focusing on the solution? Are you focusing on the fruit? Or are you focusing on the root? Are you focusing on the fact that Jesus has made you the righteousness of God in Christ? Or are you focused on guilt and shame and condemnation and the fact that you continue to fail? He said, where your lamp? He said, if your lamp is, is, is pure, is good, he said, your whole body will be filled with light. Listen, when I get into this and I put my lamp on this, my whole body's filled with light. But when I get away from this and I begin to look at other things and look and compare and compete with people and see where, guess what? I'm going to find myself depressed. I'm going to find myself discouraged. Does depression steal from you? Does it kill? Absolutely it does. Does it destroy you? Absolutely it does. So where's that from? According to Jesus. It's from the thief. So you're allowing, with your lamp set upon the wrong thing, you're allowing the thief to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but if your eye is filled, if your, if your eye is, is, is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, and basically it's a word that means that uh, uh, basically divided. You see, most some people, they have just a little bit, you know, it's like peripheral vision, the scriptures, just looking out of the corner of their eye, and everything else is looking at their goals and their agenda and what they want to do. Hello. I knew this would go over good. Psalm 73. Let's go back over there. I just got a few more minutes. 
Notice what he's saying. And some people are saying this. I'm not saying anybody here. Everybody's perfect here. Everybody. Those people outside. Those people in that camera in there. They, Notice what he says. And I mean, notice it, it's, it, it just all seems blasphemous, but we say it. All in vain have I kept my heart clean. Verse number 14. All in vain have I kept my heart clean. It doesn't serve to serve the Lord. It doesn't pay to serve God. I've wasted my time here pursuing him. Praying, seeking his face. I'm telling you, that's where the enemy wants you. He wants you right there. God's withholding. Isn't that what he told Adam and Eve? God's withholding from you. He's withholding this tree from you. Because he knows if you partake of it, you're going to have everything that you want. And he don't want you to have everything that you want. That's a lie. It's in vain. I lost someone that I dearly loved. Serving God's in vain. Is that true? Hmm? Well, sometimes we act like it. He says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. So he's not just talking about dealing with his spiritual life, he's also talking about his actions. He's keeping his actions pure. And there's many times that we try to keep our actions totally in line with the Word, and we see everybody else doing the exact opposite. Yeah. You see everybody else just doing whatever they want to do, and it just doesn't seem like any ramifications or any difference between what I'm going through and what they're going through. In fact, they even got it better. But nothing could be further from the truth. It gets better, guys. It, it does. It gets better. All right? He says, for all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Now, the actual Hebrew says, it, it, it actually denotes the fact that he has submitted himself to correction. And he submitted himself to um, the, the teaching of the Lord in the fact that he's constantly repenting and, and being you know, molded into a certain image by the law. Okay. And you know, when we get in the word of God, you know, I don't know about you, but I find plenty of things I need to repent of when I read the Bible. Even things that I took for granted for years, I'll get in and, oh my goodness, I need to change that. Amen. And he's saying it's, it's in vain to do that now. It's in vain to do all that. It's in vain to keep my heart clean. It's vain to keep my hands from getting dirty. It's vain for me to be rebuked and be corrected by the Lord. Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. There's a chastening of the Lord. Amen? If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He said, I would have yielded to this and spoke about these things. I would have betrayed a whole generation. There's a lot of people that are doing that. They get discouraged in their relationship with the Lord, and they speak out of that pain. And they speak out of that. And there are people that didn't necessarily get what they thought they needed from the Lord, so they wrote a book about it. 
Hello. Went on a teaching, you know, tour and taught. He said, man, if I would yield to this stuff, he said, I would, I would compromise an entire generation. Let God be true and every man a liar. I said, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Hallelujah. But notice this. Here's where it gets good. Verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. How many have been wearied by thinking about this? Oh, you won't raise your hand because you're afraid. But it's the truth. People are thinking about this stuff. And it's a wearisome task, isn't it? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Now, he had a physical sanctuary that he could go to, physical temple, physical tabernacle, whatever. We have the tabernacle inside us. But did you know that you can be absentee? Even though the tabernacle's within you, even though you are the tabernacle of the Lord, even though God dwells inside of you, you can be absentee in your attendance to the tabernacle. He said, but when I came to the sanctuary of God, praise the Lord, amen? Hallelujah. When I came to sanctuary, then I discerned their end. See, he got right by getting in the presence of the Lord. That's where your answer is. Your answer is in the presence of the Lord, not in looking outside your window and pining after everything that you don't have. Is your answer outside the window? Your answer is in the sanctuary where God dwells and abides. And the more you go inside, this, oh, come on now. The more you go inside the sanctuary with your praise and with your worship, with your prayers and getting in the word of God, and the more you begin to ardently seek the Lord and begin to get into that secret place, praise God, you begin to get emboldened because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It says, truly, you set them on a slippery place. You make them full, uh, fa- um, fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream, one awakens, O Lord. When you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, now notice that. You can get embittered by this. You can get totally embittered. Hello? When I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Have you found yourself there? This is talking about someone that's just absolutely mad at God. There's more people mad at God than at the devil in the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> God didn't do this. And God didn't do that. And he, I can't believe that he didn't do that. Come on. And you just act brutish, acting like a beast towards him. 
He said, nevertheless, I am continually with you. Notice that. Even in his dispensation, he wasn't even born again. But he says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Oh, glory to God. God holds your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. So he's saying that, that in this life, although it's unfair, although things may not go my way, although things may not work the way that I want them to work, your counsel is always with me. I'm always with you, and I've, you've got hold of my right hand. You're going to guide me. You're going to lead me. You're going to counsel me. And after this is all over, you're going to receive me up to glory. Amen? It's hard to get down in the mully grubs here when you when you get your eyes on the heavenly prize. You have to realize that this is temporal. This is temporal. Amen? Are you getting anything out of this? Is this helping you? Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Well, that's not where he was before, was it? That's not where he was before. What adjustment made? He got in contact. He set himself on things above and not things beneath. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of fruity things going on in this world. There's a lot of wrong things, and there's a lot of injustice in this world. And there's a lot of impurity. The Bible says that this world system is run by the devil. So you're not going to see righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost in this world system. You're not going to find it. What was he doing? He was looking outside, looking outside of what he had. And saying, I don't have enough of the world's goods. I don't have enough of this. And he got his lamp on the wrong stuff. And the joy of his salvation left him. And there's many that their joy has left because of the siege, because of the battle, because there's an onslaught of the enemy that has continued to harass them and beat them down. But he said, but when I came to the sanctuary... Oh, my goodness grace. When I came to the sanctuary of God, he said, man, then I was righted. Then I began to see their end. I began to see what the world system's going to end up like. And those that operate within that world system and trust in that world system and abide in that world system. He said, I began to see the truth that they're on a slippery slope. And although they may look good on the inside, they're rotten. Good on the outside, they're rotten on the inside. And that I can't go by what I see because what I see is temporary. It's going to pass away. But I'm telling you, when I get with God, I'm going into eternity. I'm going into eternal things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got a few more minutes. Let me finish this psalm out for you. Amen. My flesh and my heart may fail. Listen, my body may break down and everything may collapse. He says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
I'm telling you, he got it, he got it right. He got set. When he got in the sanctuary of the Lord and the presence of the Lord, he started believing that he was right with God. Oh, come on now. That he had an audience with God. He said, you've got me. I may not feel his hand every time, but that, that means that doesn't mean anything. He's, he's got it right there. Whatever you're going through, doctor comes, says, you know, you got this. Guess what? All you got to do by faith is yank, and you'll feel that arm. You'll feel that strong arm of the Lord every single time, every single time. There's just too much belly aching going on. And it's not public. That's what the Lord's telling me. It's not public. It's in your prayer closet. It's in the quietness of your life. Comparing yourself with the world. You're not supposed to compare yourself with the world. You're, listen, my, my father in the faith, David E. I said this. He said it a million gazillion times. He said, your very worst day in the kingdom of God is 10,000 times better than your best day in the world. He says, though my heart and flesh may fail. I've been there. I know what that feels like. But guess what? I declared, the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Strength comes from the Lord. I said, strength comes from the Lord. Strength comes from the Lord. What kind of price tag can you put on strengths? Absolutely nothing. He says, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. Amen. We can take that one step further in the New Testament. It is good for me to be in God. Yes. He ain't just near, he in me. Amen. And I'm in him. Amen. Hallelujah. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all of his works. Amen. Hallelujah. If you had weariness in your heart, you've wrestled with these things. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Amen. Oh, if you're wrestling, if you're wrestling, this is something that, that has been on you. You begin to feel that. I know, I know that, that some of you, you know, I'm not, not trying to increase my numbers here, but I know there's people that are wrestling. Just reach your hands towards heaven. Hallelujah. Say, Father God, though everything in my life may fall, 
I'm still rich. I still have you. And I look and I lean to you. You're my answer. You're not my problem. You're my solution. And I declare it is good for me to be in you and declare your word. And I will not begrudge anything that you ask me to do. Jesus, I am yours. Use me. Mold me. Teach me. Counsel me. And afterwards, receive me to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 Holy Spirit speaking lives right now. Speaking to lives right now. Speaking in our hearts. Why is this important? Because of the days that are ahead. I'm here to tell you that the days are ahead are going to be more of a temptation for you to doubt the goodness of God. You better solidify this. You better be like the psalmist says, truly, God is good to his people. I mean, the truth. I mean, absolute and utter truth. I mean, it is the cornerstone by which all my theology comes from is God is good. Amen? Doesn't matter what I feel. Doesn't matter what's going on in my life. God's good. I can't use my circumstances to determine whether God's good to me or not. God's good because God's good. His word says he's good, therefore he's good. Therefore I've settled it, God is good. God is good. I'm telling you, there's many times I've uh, battled my mind and battled, you know, in my mind. The enemy beginning harassing thoughts. And you know what? I'll stop and I'll say, you know what? God is good. It'll stop. It'll cease right there. It'll cease. God, he can't refute that. He can't refute the goodness of God. But he's going to try to work against you. Because, see, you can't have faith in a God that you do not know is good. See, we've tried to make God after Zeus and after all these other false gods. We've tried to make him out like that, to where he, you know, operates one way one minute and the other way the next. God is not duplicitous. God doesn't speak both sides of his mouth. God isn't one way here and another way somewhere else. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you've got to believe that. So if Jesus, who's the press image of the Father, went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, then praise God, then you know that he's still doing it through his church and through his word. He's still healing all who are oppressed of the devil. If he healed one person, he'll heal everybody. Come on now. Well, that's not what I'm experiencing right now. Well, then it needs to be, it's on your end. It's on your end. Let's stop making excuses. And let's just settle the fact that regardless of what I'm going through and whether I understand it or not, God is good. Absolutely good. I'm telling you, you'll be able to scale mountaintops. You'll be able to go places that you've never been able to go. 
If you'll settle it in your fat, in your life, in your heart, God's good. I'm just talking to someone. I, I'm, you know, I don't mean to go longer, but I'm just, I'm just talking to somebody here. Settle it in your heart. Settle it. No matter what comes, no matter what the devil tries to play, what kind of deception he tries to pull over on you, God's good. I may not be experiencing it right now. I may not, you know. Listen, we got to change our mind. We got to renew our mind. I may not be feeling it, may not be enjoying it right now, but God's good. Sometimes you got to say it with gritted teeth God's good. But you believe it because it's the truth. When you get that bad report, God is good. When you get that good report, God is good. When bank statement comes, God is good. Hello? When gas goes up to $15 a gallon, God is good. Is he a good God or not? Absolutely he's good. And he will sustain you. He will take care of you. Amen? I'm just saying, let's lift our hands and thank him for his goodness. Hallelujah. We just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I just sense his goodness right now. Hallelujah. Corporately. Corporately. Lord, you're good. And you do good. You are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. It's not only who you are, but it's what you do. You are good. I said, you are good. You are good. You are good. Mm. Right now, I'm hearing this by the Spirit of the Lord, that there are ministers that are here. I know of some situations, but I mean, he's not talking about those. He's talking about... There are ministers here right now that are looking for a way out. And the Lord wants me to say this to you. There are countless lives that are depending on you to say yes to me. There are people that will end their life going into eternity without me because you said no or you made excuses. I'm here to tell you, friends, I sense that so strong in my spirit right now. So I'm not going to point, point anybody out on this. certainly don't want to embarrass anybody or make anybody uncomfortable. Holy Spirit is convincing you right now of that. So right now, I just release. Release the flow of the Spirit to break off the deception that's on your life right now. Right now. Break it off. You're not, you ain't got your lamp on the right stuff. You just don't have your lamp on the right stuff. You don't have your lamp on the right stuff. You're looking at material stuff. 
You're looking at, you know, when's my ship coming in? When's my day going to come? That's the wrong place to place your lamp. You need to place your lamp on him. You need to place your lamp on others. You need to seek other people's wealth and stop thinking about your own. I'm hearing that by the Spirit of the Lord right now. And there are people that are saying, well, you know, I was really, last year I was doing all this and looking like I was going to, you know, move into here and do this stuff. And then, you know, all of a sudden everything seemed to stop. Well, I'm telling you, your, your lamp moved. Is it all right if we let the Spirit of God move? Now, we're going to have ministers that are going to be up here, and if you, if you find yourself in that spot, I, 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 strongly, I strongly appeal to you to repent because it's not going to be good. That's what I'm saying. It's not going to be good for you to turn away. It's not going to be good at all. Listen, Karen and I, we lived on government cheese sandwiches. We lived in houses that good night. I go back and look at it and I think, how in the world did we even do that? But it was because of the call of God. It wasn't because of the call. The call he didn't put us, you know what I'm saying? It's just we were following the call of God and it caused us to have to give ourselves over and, and oh, come on, and dedicate ourselves where I could not take a job that did not allow me to do ministry. And I wouldn't. But there's people taking jobs. Can't even come to church. Can't even serve. And you think they're going to make it? They think they're going to get there? Listen, show me your consecration level. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But your consecration level isn't where it needs to be. We raised four boys. God never failed us. Never failed us. But if I hadn't answered the call of God, if I hadn't, listen, we bought our first house when I was 35 years old. Some of you have only eight houses by the time you're 25. 35. You want to know why? Because I was pursuing the call of God and I needed to be mobile. I needed to be able to move like that. That's for someone out here. Maybe in the camera. I don't know. But there are lives depending on you saying yes. Mm, I can't shake this. One time there was a man that was wrestling with all of God. I believe it was Tracy Cook as a prophet. You know? And the Lord uh, was, you know, trying to convince him that he was called to be a prophet. And he he had vision, he fell asleep, he had a dream, and the Lord walked him over to this pit. And there were people in this pit, and they were inflamed in, in, in fires, and, and they, they, they were crying out to, to Tracy, answer the call, I need to get out, I don't need to come here. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. COVID's taken and has just masculated the church. Either God is good or he's not. 
Oh, Lord, help us. Help us. Help us, Jesus. Help us get our eyes off ourselves. Here's the problem with COVID. Here's a ditch we're going on the other side. Now that everything's kind of done, we're wanting to get more and more selfish. We're wanting to get more and more self-centric. Well, I got I to gotta have money. I got to do. You know, God can't supply your need. God can't take care of you. God can't sustain you. Well, you know, my kids, they need to have this and they need to have that. Who says? And you don't think that God can't do it? You don't think God can't take care of you and your kids? If you'll answer the call. Some of you are struggling financially because you say, keep saying no. Keep making excuses. All right. Okay. Thank God it lifted. Amen. I need a drink after that. But I'm here to tell you, friends, people saying no. And it's not old people. <laughs> it's not old people. It's not people like me. It's young ones. Amen. I, I, would, I would encourage you to come up here and get prayer. I'd encourage you to say, no more. I'm not.